0: How many of you who have ever went to a funeral home and viewed a body in a casket has ever wanted to take that corpse home with you? No, (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) They're dead. And, of course, they they do all the stuff funeral homes do to to preserve the body and delay the process of decay, but eventually, it'll take a lot longer, but eventually that body will decay. So we don't want to take that body home with us. So when we look at the world, if the world has been crucified to us through the cross of Jesus, then when we look at the world, it's like we're looking at a corpse. There shouldn't be anything in that world that we want to take home with us, that we want to hold on to. Why? Because through the cross of Jesus Christ, the world has been crucified to me. As the Father sent me, so send I you to bear witness of me in spirit and truth. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. For the word of the cross is foolishness, to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The accomplishments of the cross. What did the cross accomplish for God? Number one, through the cross, God accomplished a permanent atonement for the sins of humanity. Through the cross, God accomplished a permanent atonement for the sins of humanity of humanity. If you go back and you read the Old Testament, there was an entire system set up called the Levitical system. It was a system of animal sacrifice and various offerings and gifts that were brought to the Levites who served as the priests in God's kingdom. And then once a year, the one who was designated the great high priest over the house of Israel, would take an offering into the holy place, and there he would sacrifice an offering on his own behalf and also on behalf of the people. And this had to be repeated every single year, and it had to be done according to very strict guidelines because of the holiness of God and the unholiness of man. If the high priest did not follow the rules, he could be struck dead. And so it was a difficult task to be assigned. And it was a scary task to be assigned because God is absolutely holy. He's not partially holy. He's not lackadaisically holy. He is perfectly holy. And so a perfectly holy God requires a perfectly holy sacrifice in order for men and God to be reconciled. You see, God doesn't need to be reconciled, but you and I need to be reconciled to God. And so that took a perfect sacrifice, and year after year, they would have to present this sacrifice. But there was two things wrong with that sacrifice. Number one, the blood of the animals that were sacrificed could not take away the sins of the people. And secondly, the sacrifice could not change the people. That's why it had to be repeated every year. Because even though it was offered according to the strictest guidelines that God had set up, it didn't change the hearts of the people. And God was not interested in just having a religion of sacrifices that did not change the hearts of the people. God wanted to change the people themselves. And so God provided his own sacrifice. God offered Christ, Jesus, as a propitiatory sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Now, I just had a really big word there, propitiatory. What that basically means in simple terms is that Christ's life represents Our life. And then when Christ offered himself as a perfect sacrifice on the cross before God, it was as if every single man and woman who has ever lived on the earth or will ever live on the earth was on the cross with Jesus so that Jesus' death represents the death of us all. And since he was offered up as a pure, sinless sacrifice without blemish, his life was acceptable to God to substitute for our life. And if we put our trust and our faith in Jesus and his blood, We can not only have our sins forgiven, we can have our sins taken away as far as the east is from the west. As the deepest part of the sea, our sins are totally, completely removed from us. And in addition to that, we can be changed by the Spirit of God. To no longer live as slaves to sin, but to live as servants of God in true righteousness and holiness and have a relationship with him that will continue throughout eternity. That's what God accomplished through the cross. He offered Christ as a propitiatory sacrifice. For the sins of the world not only did god offer him as a sacrifice god appointed him as our great high priest to intercede and mediate between god and humanity forever god appointed jesus as our great high priest to intercede and mediate between god and humanity forever the book of hebrews talks about the old Levitical system and the old priesthood. And it said the former priests, on the one hand, existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. The high priest would live however long he lived and then he would die and then someone else in his family line who was next in line would have to come up and assume the role of high priest. So there was a great number of those high priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But Jesus on the other hand, because he continues forever. He is our great high priest who lives forevermore, holds his priesthood permanently. And if you wonder what Jesus has been doing for the last 2,000 years, he's been doing two things that I can find in Scripture. Number one, he is still serving as our great high priest. He is still interceding for us before the Father. If you ever ask yourself the question, why hasn't God poured out his judgment upon the earth already? And when you look around at the conditions in the world today, that sounds like a logical question. Why, God, have you allowed this to go on for so long? God, why haven't you judged the sin of the world? God, why haven't you put an end to this already? It's because Jesus is still functioning in his office as the great high priest and he is still interceding for humanity because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but it all should come to what? Repentance. So that's why he hasn't judged the world yet. There's a time of judgment. And today is not the day of judgment. Today is the day of what? Salvation. Hallelujah. It is still the day of salvation. And Jesus is still functioning as our great high priest. And not only that, the second thing he's doing is he has been preparing a place for us. And when the fullness of time comes once again and it's the time of the Gentiles has come to an end and the time of salvation, the day of salvation has come to a close, then God will begin the day of the Lord, the day of judgment. But we're not there yet. We still in God's mercy have time to reach our families, to reach our loved ones, to reach our friends, to reach our neighbors. And to let them know that God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice through the man he has appointed. And he has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. And call people, both men and women, boys and girls, to the ark of safety, to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall save us and keep us forever. Hallelujah. So God offered Christ as a propitiatory offering or sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. He appointed Christ as high priest to intercede and mediate between God and humanity forever. Through the cross, God accomplished the union of Jews and Gentiles into one body. God has never desired for people to be divided. And we can look right now in our own nation and see the results of division, what division is doing to our nation, how it's pulling us apart. And that was just as true in the time before the cross as it is right now. You had the Jews who had been called by God to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation so that the glory of the Lord might fill the earth as the waters cover the sea and that the knowledge of God would be known everywhere through their obedience and through their service to God. And then you have the Gentiles who were without God, without the covenants of the promise. They were separated from the commonwealth of Israel. They were outside the promises of God. And God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Listen to what the scripture says here. Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcised by the so-called circumcision. What he's talking about is the difference there between being called a Jew, which meant you were circumcised and you came under all the ordinances and all of the regulations of the law of Moses, or you were called the uncircumcised, or men without the law, or Gentiles. He says, remember, you were at that time, meaning the time before the cross, the time before Jesus' death. You at that time were separate from Christ." excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That was the condition of everyone outside the covenant that God made with Abraham before the cross of Christ. That was everybody except them were under the promises of the covenant. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So the Gentiles were far away from God, and then God offered his son as a sacrifice for our sins. And not only did the cross accomplish the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our souls, it brought near to God the rest of the human race so that everyone... Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be and can be saved. But now you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made both groups. What groups? Jews and Gentiles. He has made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so that he and him himself, he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. So it used to be in the old days that there were two groups of people. There were the Jews who had a covenant with God because of the promises God made to Abraham. And then there were the Gentiles, which was everybody else. They didn't have a covenant with God. They didn't have a promise from God there were Jews and there were Gentiles then Jesus came hallelujah and through Jesus God changed everything now it was no longer Jews and Gentiles now it is in Christ or not in Christ do you see the difference in the old days it was you were a Jew if you were a Jew you still had to have faith in God you still had to obey God but you had the promises of the covenant you 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 had the, the uh, fact that you were born of Abraham's physical seed and, and you were in the covenant of God. The Gentiles had to become Jews in order to receive the benefits of that covenant. So then Jesus came and God said, we're not going to do it that way anymore. I'm not going to have a group called Jews over here and a group called Gentiles over here. I'm going to have my Son." And you can come into the kingdom of God. You can have the covenants of the promise. You can have an inheritance in my kingdom through faith in my son. It doesn't matter what race you are of. It doesn't matter what color of your skin. It doesn't matter what your ethnic background. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're pretty or ugly. <laughs> of course, that's a human estimation. If you have faith In my son, you can be saved. It says, For he himself is our peace who has made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile both in one body to God, through the cross so that is what god accomplished through the cross he made one body of both jew and gentile through the cross and then through the cross god made a new creation in christ jesus possible because remember the old sacrifices and what i said about them is that they were required to be made to cover the sins of the people but they had to be repeated every year and not only that They didn't change the people, but through the cross, God made it possible for men and women to not only have their sins taken away, but to become a new creature, become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that is really what our life in this world is all about. Once we come to know the Lord, before we come to know the Lord, we're not in Christ. But after we come to know the Lord, we are in Christ Jesus who has become wisdom for us from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and sanctification. Jesus becomes all those things for us. That's 1 Corinthians 1 31. But we need to be made new. We need to be changed. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things become new. Now I grew up as a Pentecostal and I remember growing up in the church and People who were still struggling with sin in their life, or they were still struggling with, with habits in their life. And they would come and I hear them ask the pastor, or I'd hear them ask somebody else in church, they say, How is it that if I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, I still have to deal with temptation? How is it that if I'm, new, if I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, I still have to struggle with trials? And the answer is in this passage of Scripture. Old things have passed away. Well, what has passed away? The basis upon which you live your life. The basis upon which you live your life. There's another scripture that I almost chose for my text this morning. And it's in the King James Version is the way I memorized it as a kid. It says, God forbid that I should glory. Save in the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ. By whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. And you know when you read that in the King James version it it, it sounds so pretty. It it is so poetic. You know, I mean I can just repeat it all oh, my God, you know. But what is it really saying? What was the cross? I mean, let's get down to to brass tacks. What was the cross? The cross was a tool of death, right? That's what they used the cross for. They used the cross to put people to death. In fact, for almost 800 years, crucifixion was the most common form of execution for prisoners. Whether they were political prisoners, whether they were religious agitators, or or anybody else who didn't have civil rights, crucifixion was the way they put people to death. There were hundreds and thousands of people who were crucified. The difference with Jesus' crucifixion is that he was the spotless lamb of God. And his sacrifice took away our sins and makes us a new creation in him. So why would Paul say this? God forbid that I should glory, save, which actually means accept, except in the cross. Well, why would anybody want to glory in the cross? Well, our most obvious answer would be, well, because Jesus died on the cross to forgive us our sins and take our sins away. Yeah, that. but that's not what Paul says. In fact, when Paul says those words, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't say one word about the blood of Jesus taking away our sins. He doesn't say one word about the sacrifice. He doesn't say one word about our sins being forgiven and taken as far away from the east as the west. He doesn't say a word about them being tossed into the depths of the sea. Instead, he says this, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ, By whom the world has been crucified unto me. Now think about that for a second. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, the world has been crucified to the people who are in Christ. I want to say that again. Through the cross of Christ, the world has been crucified to the people who are in Christ. What does that mean? That means that if you are alive in Christ through faith in God's Son... The cross has crucified the world to you so that when you look at the world, what do you see? What happened to people who were crucified? Obvious answer, they died. So when you look at the world, if you are in Christ, you've come through the cross, you are in Christ, the world has been crucified to you. What do you see being in Christ when you look at the world? Anybody? Death. When I look at the world, if I am in Christ, I shouldn't see anything that appeals to me how many of us have went to a funeral home now you go to a funeral home and and there's an open casket hopefully and the person has been dressed up in their finest they put makeup on their face they look pretty good in that casket actually how many of you who have ever went to a funeral home and viewed a body in a casket has ever wanted to take that corpse home with you no (laughs) i don't think so (laughs) they're dead And, of course, they they do all the stuff funeral homes do to to preserve the body and delay the process of decay. But eventually, it'll take a lot longer, but eventually that body will decay. So we don't want to take that body home with us. So when we look at the world, if the world has been crucified to us through the cross of Jesus, then when we look at the world, it's like we're looking at a corpse. There shouldn't be anything in that world that we want to take home with us. That we want to hold on to why because through the cross of jesus christ the world has been crucified to me but that's not all that paul said he said the by whom the world has been crucified to me and then what did he say and i unto the world so if you wonder why the world doesn't love you if you're a christian if the world is against you if the world criticizes you if the world persecutes you it's for this very same reason you've come to the cross of jesus christ not only has the world been crucified to you but you and me have been crucified to the world what does that mean that means that when the world looks at us what does the world see death that's why no one can come to the father except he is drawn by the spirit because satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus, and they need the Spirit and the Father to draw them to Jesus so that they can come out of darkness into light, so they can come out of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God's dear Son, that they can come through the cross to be in Christ and to have the promise of eternal life in him. The cross has become an instrument of death, to the old life of self-serving and self-direction. If you read what Jesus said in the Gospels, he said it several times, at least four times, if not more, maybe six. If anyone would come after me, if anyone would desire to be my disciple, what does he have to do? He has to deny himself, take up his what? Cross and follow me. How can he do that? Well, because when you're denying yourself, you take up the cross, this old self dies. You are in Christ, and Christ gives you the life to enable you to follow Him. And those are the accomplishments of the cross for God. Everywhere you go,